Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery, host of the Uncluttered Office podcast and owner of productivitybydesign.com. I help women who have ADHD or productivity issues. If you're someone who has 50 tabs open in your brain at any given time, I'm your woman and I coach them. Love it. I am very excited because I have a very dear friend and client and colleague and everything all wrapped up in one, Courtney Beal with us today. She has been working with small businesses and marketing for over 13 years. During that time, she has guided experts to find the right words and platforms to attract their best customers. She gets her best ideas from the bicycle. Wait till you hear about this. In 2020, Courtney made it LLC official and launched Ciclista Marketing, specializing in entrepreneurial and small business marketing. We've got to start with, did I say Ciclista right? Yep. It's Spanish for girl on a bike. I love it. I love it. That sounds perfect. And I know you are a young woman on a bike. <laughs> One of the fun things about you, Courtney, is that you always described yourself as a digital nomad. Want to start there? Sure. Thanks for having me, Catherine. Yeah, it's funny. It honestly kind of began when my black lab passed away and I suddenly had travel freedom. I had the skills and opportunities that were all on my laptop. I was also substitute teaching at the time, which wasn't mandatory that I was there present all the time. And if the opportunity came to live in Vegas for three weeks, I would take that. And then I was like, oh, I could go live in Florida and watch my friend's dog for a few months while they're away. So I did that. I was out in California and just kind of got into that three bags and I'm on my way to live somewhere temporarily. Costa Rica was probably my favorite. That was the one where I wanted to lose my ticket home after a month. (laughs) except their Wi-Fi might not be sustainable. Beaches were great. Surfing was great. Wi-Fi was terrible. Oh, geez. That makes it hard to uh, work with not so great Wi-Fi. Yeah, when you're relying on Wi-Fi, that is one of the mandatory parts of being a digital nomad is that your Wi-Fi has to be solid. Right. How many years ago were you doing the Costa Rica trip? That was like fall of 2017. Okay, so pretty fairly recent. Yeah. Because I do know people who have moved to Costa Rica and run their businesses from there. I'd be curious if they're using internet or if they're using the telephone. Well, there are parts of Costa Rica, let me clarify. There are parts of Costa Rica that have perfectly fine internet that are very modern resort areas. I was down south. 
more remote natural areas. Surf, a little surf shanty town. No. Do you surf? Huh? I didn't know that about you. Got back into it that year. I hadn't done it for maybe 10 or 15 years and had the opportunity to grab a couple lessons. And it was actually my instructor that it was like, yeah, you can totally rent a place for this amount and you can live super cheap and just be laid back and do your work and then do happy hour and then do surfing when the tide comes in. And I'm like, this sounds like heaven. Right. Sign me up. I took up surfing at age 53, which is crazy late in life yeah. learning a sport, but it was super fun and I love it. And I'm yeah. actually now in process of trying to figure out how I would fit a board in my car because <laughs> I have a small car. I think you need to look at, there's a company that makes bike racks actually, and there right. may be a attachment that's more of a surfboard style. I think surfboards are made to go outside the car. Right. How come I never thought of that? Because I'm not as outdoorsy as you are. <laughs> Out in Colorado, we have ski racks, we have bike racks. If you don't have a rack on your car, you must not live here. Well, yeah. So there's a rack on my husband's car and we have what we call the coffin on top, which is not what it is. Oh, yeah. There's a specific word for it and I'm not going to come up with it because we call it the coffin. But anyway, it's like having a large suitcase on top of your car. Yep, the extra space thing. Hard sided. Mm-hmm. I think it's called a crate or something. Yeah. Got a weird name. By Toomey, of course. So we put our ski gear in that instead. And he was funny because at one point he said, let's get um, the specialized ski things for the ski Fair, yeah. And mm-hmm. I said, why? We can put it in there and then the bindings stay dry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Over. Salt. Pretty fabulous, you know, exactly. Keep it away from the salt, et cetera. Pretty nifty. So that's how we do it. And then, you know, we can put our ski bags up there too. Never mm-hmm. the boots. The boots are always in the car. Try to keep them warm. Yep, exactly. Here we are already talking about sports. Digital nomad lifestyle and coronavirus. How did you deal with the pandemic? I know you still traveled, which is completely amazing. Well, let's just say I didn't deal with it well to begin with. I'll be really honest. I had a bike race scheduled for March 14th, 15th, and 16th in Moab, Utah. (sighs) And it was a pretty big deal for me to buy my spot in the race and start training for that in January as far as miles, because it was 50 miles a day. Mm. It was a festival. So it's 50 miles per day. Then the second part of that, I had invested the time, the money and the effort to get the trip together because it's it's Moab, but you kind of have to get the right spot and have all the things in place with, I was going with my team. Right. Third, it was kind of an audition to be a bike leader for a local or local gym that has things. And I was going with those folks. And then Tuesday before I was like, I don't think we're going. And then Wednesday was canceled. And I had been out on the bike almost every day for a month solid doing training. And that was really the only place that my life wasn't like just over with when the lockdowns were announced and I was laid off of my outside the house job side hustle. And then basically, I remember going to Trader Joe's and thinking, okay, it's the end of the world. Let's get $300 worth of groceries because you're never going to leave your house again. Right. And then it hit me that next week, I'm a social butterfly. I'm a social person. I'm on the go. I'm around people. I'm out riding my bike or moving almost all the time. And I even felt riding my bike was kind of frowned upon, which is a, a strange thing because how could that be something that put others in danger when you're out away from people on a bike. But then the governor of Colorado actually announced that bike riding was good. I was like, well, I'm going to ride my bike every day. My coping with that lockdown began with just 
one or two rides a day, one training ride and one maybe chillax sunset ride around my neighborhood. Nice. But as far as my business, as far as my own personal livelihood and well-being, it was not pretty for me. Mm-hmm. I slept a ton and I was just like, okay, now what? When can I go? When can I plan my next adventure? Right. I um, remember waking up and just not getting out of bed. Yeah. Hanging out of bed for an hour, two hours. There's nothing to do. Why get out of bed? Right. And then I was like, oh, no, I really, my best hours of the day are first thing in the morning. I need to get up. And it took a long time. I think the other reaction I had, which is very funny, I'm not a bread eater, but now I am. <laughs> Everyone was talking about making bread. And our farm was selling Bridgeport sourdough bread pre-sliced and so good for sandwiches. So I became this bread eater. I did put on a few COVID pants, not very many, but I did put on a few. I think I've gotten them off. I'm not sure. And then I would have gone insane if I couldn't have walked my neighborhood every day. Yeah. Exercise was probably the number one thing, either walking with friends or Mm. moving my body on my bike, like I said, which is good because as you said, the best ideas come while I'm out on the bike. And so I started just kind of collecting ideas and having all this time to think of kind of my escape route out of lockdown, what would work for a trip or what would work for my need to move to a different setting. That was good. My productivity suffered a lot in terms of just kind of the same as not getting out of bed, but staying up till two or three in the morning, being a night owl, and then trying to have like a work day the next day. But then like, what's the point? I'll just do it whenever I feel like it because I'm not going anywhere. That's one of the really scary downsides of working from home is that you have t- too much freedom. Yeah. And, you know, without accountability, it's really hard. And some people could thrive and be like, oh, I'm going to do some super creative things. I mean, I, I love the people who said to me, you know, you have so much free time now. You, you're going to be able to do all these things. And I'm like, I have so much less free time now because it ended up for me ultimately I was working all the time because I can. I was like, "Eh, I'll just work. There's nothing else to do. I'll just work. I'll work and work and work, work. And there were pluses to that, but there were also minuses. And so we started way back before our daughter was born. We call that before Caroline BC. BC, we would do random Saturday trips in the state of Connecticut and just drive somewhere. And I said to my husband, let's do it. Now, this wasn't right away. I mean, because the first few months, you know, no one dared move anywhere. I think the biggest place I went was two miles up the street to the farm. I was afraid to even go to a grocery store. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have a background of having had cancer and some other things. So it's kind of like I was just being super, super careful. But maybe, you know, more into the summer. Oh, I know what we did in the summer. My sister-in-law has a pool. Every weekend in the summer, we were at the pool hanging out and we made like our little pandemic pod. We were very... Yeah careful about who we let into the pod. <laughs> it was a very small pod and played a lot of pool volleyball, which was a blast. But then as the fall came and whatnot, I said to my husband, let's drive some places, just go okay. to various little towns up the coast. Your car kind of became this safe haven of doing everything. You could go pick up your groceries in the car, right. drive through food, take out food to curbside carry out or whatever. Right. I'm not a huge fan of any of that. And I've actually ridden my bike through drive throughs and they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, oh yeah, I can. Just <laughs> silly. Of course you can. It was ironic and kind of the same as you. I started planning ways that it would work for me to have micro adventures, I would call them. Right. And the trade-off, the time, you know, that I just couldn't handle it anymore was, okay, 
it's going to be someplace where I don't have to fly. I'll stay at an Airbnb, but I'm still going to go see my friends in their backyard. Right. My friends. Right. And we did similar. So we did Airbnbs. My daughter, at the beginning of all this, she said we weren't going to do our traditional go to Florida or go to a tropical island or anywhere we had to fly. Just our choice. The first thing we did was a long weekend in New York State at a mountain and we had a ski vacation. And then we did it again for February break and we went up and skied in New Hampshire for a long weekend. So we ended up sort of embracing winter vacations, which we had never done. Right. And it was fun. We had a blast. We stayed at this one house where the guy had sort of like a little cabin right down by the lake. He built a fire in it for us one afternoon. We took an afternoon off from skiing. We just had to take a break. He let us borrow his specialized truck that could get through the snow. We drove that down and he had hot chocolate on a wood burning stove and we drank hot chocolate and laughed. And we had um, come just come back in from um, snowshoeing on the lake, like things we just wouldn't normally do. Our snowshoes we just hadn't used. And I think you just said the whole summary of kind of what I was thinking is that the pandemic forced us all to kind of reconcile those things that are really important to us and slow down and really enjoy maybe some new different types of things at a slower pace or a different pace where we're not rushing to Europe or we're not rushing to the next thing because we can't, but more of, okay, so my trip ended up being a bicycling trip to the place where I went to college. And I saw these parts of a town that I was too busy or having too much Mm -hmm. fun or too college stage to really realize, recognize, or enjoy. You know, I've heard that from a lot of people is that they went to places that were maybe never on their bucket list or their list of travel places, but came back with like more insight, more meaning and just more appreciation for things. So that's the plus side, I think, of all of that. As difficult as it was, like I have mentioned, to not be able to just pack my three bags and go. Right. So a big part of productivity for me is making sure that we're intentionally unproductive is sort of the height of unproductive. Get an Airbnb, be really relaxed with your family or friends or whatever your comfort level is with where you're going. The house here in Fenwick, I'm actually recording today from our Fenwick house. June was empty, just suddenly renters canceled left and right. And then in July, it just exploded. And we had renters all the way through October. And then interestingly, we've never had this happen before. People wanted to rent it for things like Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Like who goes to a cold (laughs) beach location in the dead of winter? Apparently people who want to get away. Yeah. Getting away, I think is key. In just a safe kind of way. And do I think that's going to be the case next year? Maybe. Do I think after that? Probably not. I think once people really can start going back to... A tropical island in winter time, that's what they're going to do. But it's been an interesting journey. I'd love to talk about your journey to Seclisa Marketing because I was kind of around as you were birthing this idea. And I love that it's all come to fruition. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been in marketing for 13 years and just doing it as a freelancer for myself and not intentionally, not not even planned to be as my primary source of income. I started doing it because I was in a bicycle group that the owners of the bike shop wanted to promote and then make more of a community feel around the bike community that existed within their client or their customers and the people who showed up to ride at their groups and and events. And 
I was like, this is really fun. This isn't difficult, but there is a ton of technical parts behind the scenes that made all those parts work together. Right. And realizing that and getting, you know, going to a conference and learning about those technical parts and learning how to quantify the social media capital that we had gained. And for the last 13 years, it's been a series of, well, okay, I'll go to Florida and do that gig for a while because that sounds fun. Right. And I'll do this gig because it sounds great. And then kind of supplementing that with either substitute teaching or another job or part-time job. And I think the beginning of that realization that I needed to do this for myself and make it more official was I worked as a marketing director for a few, like maybe four or five months for a company. And the takeaway from that time with them was how much of my creative and like my creative time and my talent were taken away by silly things like having to be part of the sales team meeting having to help the HR person with their recruiting efforts on their marketing, the office politics. And I would sit down to do my creative and just be constantly interrupted. Mm. And realizing what I had intended before to work for them as a freelancer, that protects my time. Mm. And then it's up to me to meet those deadlines that I give to clients. And I do better in setting my productivity for myself that way with those deadlines and outcomes and intentions than I do being at the mercy of another people's flow and schedule. So that was the beginning of that in 2019. Fast forward to 2020, I was still just kind of doing gigs and things were picking up and there was kind of an ebb and flow. And then everybody was online. Nice. And everybody was asking for my time and everybody was asking for me to help them and to make a container so that I could articulate how I could help people and then how I ran my business. And that just really led to the need to have it be official for payment, have it be official for several different reasons. So I made it LLC official in 2020. Just awesome. Yeah. And I love that. I love the whole concept behind getting your best ideas on the bike. I get my best ideas when I'm out taking a power walk. Nature, I mean, fresh air. I call it getting out of my brain and into my body. Yeah. When you have a special (laughs) brain, I think you have to move or do something that is kind of co-productive to your creativity. Right. If I'm in my creative place, watercolor painting, I'll have music going on and or I usually always have two things kind of simultaneously running to make sure that my brain stays kind of in that lane of getting stuff done and staying focused. Right. And it's kind of interesting to watch. You know, I have executive function challenges. So does my daughter. We both have ADHD, both undiagnosed. When I was a kid, I definitely had to listen to music and have it going all the time. And that was how I helped focus and concentrate, which is exactly how she is now. Or she watches a TV show she's watched in the past. And I'm always amazed by how she does multiple things at one time. Because somewhere along the way, I got to the point where I can only work in either quiet or I put on that coffeeativity app that sounds like a coffee house. I kind of miss the coffee house atmosphere. I have to say, I miss that a lot. That was a big part of the digital nomad life that spending the time that was actual what we called lockdown, lockdown here, and everything was shut down. That was really hard. But then I started 
carve out paths where it would work on a coffee places patio right. or different ways that I could get back into that as soon as I could. And ironically, there was a coffee roaster just a half mile from my house and I could smell it from my deck, but I couldn't find their business. And I'm like, this is a marketing fail. And one day I was writing to the post office and they had a sign out. We're open seven to two. I'm like kind of following uh-huh. the scent of coffee and the sign and stumbled upon him. So that became my new normal is not necessarily that I need to go to a coffee place to have them make my coffee every day, but it was my contact with humans. Right. Like, oh, it's legal to go there and (laughs) see a person for a little, see people for a little bit. And also that became a really good habit. I've struggled, but stayed close to that habit of writing or moving every day early in the day in that bright, like sunlight, given the winter change and everything, it's been a little bit off, but getting out for a bike ride, say at 7.30 in the morning, and it's only a mile and a half. But that movement and those 15 minutes of being on my bike comes in and becomes a flood of creative juices or productivity. So that $2 coffee actually pays big dividends. I'm glad you can get a $2 coffee. It seems all the coffees I like are over $4. I really, I have to be really careful about my Starbucks habits. Right. Well, I'm a plain black Americano well, with there you go. loyalty rewards discount. You know, I like all the floofy things in it. So that's my problem. But it's good. It's, it's whatever it takes to make it through what were difficult times. I didn't have really anywhere I could go outside of the house. And suddenly I had my husband and my daughter working from home too. And it was an interesting summer because she just didn't want to do anything this summer. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the kids need this. They need that. They should do this. They should do that. And I was like, you know what? I'm working. I'm throwing my hands up in the air on this one. She, at the time, she was 15. My only rules were, you know, you got to go to bed at a semi-reasonable hour that ends in PM, not AM. Right. And I said, I want you outside in the fresh air for 15, 20 minutes a day, whether that's riding your bike, taking a walk. I really don't care. I, I don't care if you go in the back patio and take photographs of stuff, you know, <laughs> just doesn't right. matter to me. And just and so didn't... that kind of became a second side hustle for me, for me, is I had a lot of parents that were like, could you take my kids around the block or around the neighborhood or nice. teach my kids to do this on the bicycle, which sure. I mean, I'll do it That's for free. Cool. I love it. I love that kids are out. And that was one of the things that I saw around my neighborhood as far as changes is just entire families going out for walks or bike rides together to get out of the house and do things. And I think that may hopefully be a trend, at least for a while, that it's okay to just stop and be in your neighborhood and do exercise in your neighborhood. You don't have to pay for a gym. You um, saw people the times you saw human beings were when you were at the coffee shop. For me, it was when I took the power walks in the neighborhood. And yeah. now I know most of my neighbors' names. Exactly. And, you know, whether or not they have a dog and their kids and, and everything else. And it's not that we weren't all neighborly before. It just was raised to a whole different level and really chatting with people. You know, of course, six feet across the street on either side. So you we can can still have a conversation. Things. And you're fabulous. Still- I love it plug into your community. And I think the digital nomad life doesn't really lend to plugging into the neighborhood as much. You're kind of like the weirdo that's like, oh, with the Airbnb down the street to be plugged in here. And I'm actually close to some family 
And, you know, we created a family pod really quickly because there were two teenage nephews that were driving my sister crazy. So just navigating through that and then protecting kind of my work from home time and knowing that my sweet spot was that one to three hour of the afternoon and not maybe committing to helping with anything during that time. Right. And so it's interesting because you just said something that I'm also a huge proponent of, and that's that your primary time for work is one to three. Yeah. That's like when you're on fire. For me, mine is like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. I'm super uber focused in the early morning. I mean, I can even be uber focused at six o'clock in the morning, whether or not I'll actually start to work. It depends on the day. Some days I'm working out at that time of the day. I have a block in the mornings, but I would say I'm more like my mornings are usually more networking, outward reaching, other people involved. My afternoon, I'm done with lunch before I need to take my afternoon nap. Just kidding. I mean, I did quite a bit in COVID, but you know, before I get that afternoon slump, I usually have a big surge and kind of have to run with that. And that's, if I ride in the morning, that's maybe letting out all of the ideas that I Mm. gathered on the ride in the morning. And I do kind of try to keep my rides in the morning if, you know, let's say technical things or meeting with people get in the way of that. I'm kind of having FOMO until I can finish that work and get out on the bike again. So it will sometimes, not always, enhance my productivity and the incentive to get it done. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, you're going to take that bike ride. One of the things I discovered is that I have that high energy early in the day. And then I start to crash and burn at 11. So I started doing my power walks at 11 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. as I hit that low, which would then buy me a couple more hours of great productivity before yeah. crashing again. I'm, I'm pretty useless after three. I can have conversations. I can meet with people. I can network. But from a standpoint of really creating stuff and doing powerhouse work, like say writing up notes for a client, I want to do that eight and 11. I meet my clients between eight and 11. Yeah. Very rare that I have a client meeting in the afternoon. Yeah. They just know how I'm going to be. And it's, I want to give them my all. I mean, the best of me. And I know the best of me is age 11. So, what is the point of all this? Because I'm being very long winded, is that take a look if you're listening, what parts of the day you have your best energy and track it. And if you are working from home and still have this flexibility, like Courtney and I do, then you can. Use those great hours of your day, the ones that you have the most energy to be, and the ones you have the most focus to work. So, you know, for people who have executive function challenges, this is really mission critical to find the best times of the day your brain works the best. And then, you know, you can do the busy work at quieter times of the day, times of the day where, you know, you don't have to have your intensive focus. That's just what my sort of wrapping it all in a what to do with all this information kind exactly. of. Yeah. There's different types of focus that I've learned. Speaking of an executive function, there are different types of focus. There's the sit down at your computer productivity focus. And then there are, like you said, busy worker tasks. There are tasks that maybe I benefit more from doing, you know, maybe over lunch, mm. checking an email or writing a note to my grandmother or those little, you know, paying a bill online those little things that don't require my whole focus and brain and just having an activity that makes me sit down lunch. Okay. I have these three things that I need to get done during my lunchtime. And I, I go outside on my deck if it's nice most days for lunch. I try to make it 
a happy, enjoyable time for lunch. But then I also know that that's a time where I can execute on some smaller level to-do list items. Right. And I try not to work during lunch. So what I do is I do a video. I always like to be learning. So that's a great time to watch a video for me. Mm -hmm. When I'm doing my power walk, I've got my earbuds in and I'm listening to podcasts. Because that was one of the things too. I was in the car less. So I was listening to podcasts in the car and all of a sudden then I wasn't. And I'm like, wait a minute, I could pair podcasts with my walk. There's always a way to get creative about how we spend our time. One of the favorite things I've ever seen you use, Courtney, and I ask all my guests for a sort of productivity strategy, is a whiteboard. Everyone has a different way of keeping track of their projects and what they have to do on a day-to-day basis. And Courtney uses a whiteboard. And for our listeners, I'm just going to describe it. She writes like her top three priorities for the day on this whiteboard every day. So it's right there. It's very small. It's not a huge whiteboard on the wall. Um, It's portable. It's a digital nomad whiteboard. Yeah. I think it was originally intended to be like a locker sized whiteboard, but I've had it for several years. And with executive function issues and concussion issues that I've had, when I wake up the next morning, is the biggest challenge for my brain to wrap around what do I need to start on? Where do I start? Right. And if I have this whiteboard written the night before, which shame on me, I did not do that. There was a big national championship basketball game last night. The whiteboard kind of becomes my compass for the following day. Mm. And it might not be perfect, but at least my brain can grasp that first thing in the morning. You know, maybe I take it out while I'm having coffee if I need to review it or make changes to it, I adhere to that better than any digital reminders, better than any to-do list type thing. It just maybe almost kind of the tactile part of it as well Mm. as the visual part of it. But it's also like going back to the compass part of it. It's also almost something I, if it's not there the next morning, I'm kind of like lost. And so, you know, this morning I didn't have it, but technically we're so early in my day that I still have time to kind of make up and get it done before I start my day here in Colorado. Right. I think it's important for people to see or to understand that you don't have to have the latest productivity app to have that compass to know what you're supposed to do next. And, you can and something as simple as have a plan, even on a piece of paper. I like the whiteboard because of course it's erasable and you can kind of erase yesterday. You can say, oh, I got this done. Erase. Yeah which is exciting. You can use different colored pens and all kinds of fun things that make it very visual and tactile. And those are, you know, modalities that differ for different people. So what works for Courtney or works for me might not work for you. And that's okay. That's exactly what I was going to say is when I have clients come to me and they have their favorites, be it Trello or Acuity or whatever things work for them, I usually let them stay in their platforms. Right. You know, if we're going to be on Google and your Google calendar is your way that you navigate through life, we can make a social media calendar right in your Google calendar that pops up just like another meeting. You know, today's 20 minutes of going out and liking and commenting on other people's, it comes up just like any other task for you. Right. And I think it's important to honor that when you have clients that are, I have a very diverse group of clients and I want them to number one, feel like things are working for them as opposed to working against them when they come to me. Exactly. How can people find you, Courtney? So much fun. I have a website and it's 
www.ciclistamarketing.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And really the most active place, marketers don't like to do their own marketing, but my most active platform is Instagram at Be Balanced, Be Well. Be Balanced, Be Well is the Instagram account. Lots of cycling photos, which is super fun. And ciclistamarketing.com. I'll put that all in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on, Courtney. So grateful for you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.